When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone, Elvis Andrews. And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Aminio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone. Oh, Tani. That was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, no, we are not in the town. We are in the Valley of the Sun, the final home game of spring training at Ho-Ho Camp Park here in Mesa, Arizona. We've got a jam-packed show for you today as we're going to be breaking down the 2022 Oakland Athletics as you get ready for this season as the A's will play a couple more games here in the Cactus League and then they're going to head off to a rainy Philadelphia Going to be really interesting to see how this works out because the home opener for the Fighting Phils is going to be on the 8th. We know as of right now, and if you've been back and you've traveled through the East Coast, you know that weather is very fickle back there. But it's 100% chance of rain on the 7th. We'll see how that works for the 8th. In this show, you're going to hear from some guys that we've had to say goodbye to including who was traded yesterday, Sean Manaya was a very emotional day, a very strange day here at Ho-Ho Cam, one that um, all the different tra- uh, spring training sites that I've been to with the Athletics never experienced a day like yesterday. It was unbelievable. And Sean Manaya, as you all know, was traded from the Athletics to the San Diego Padres. The A's were playing the Padres, It was his turn to pitch, so normally you'd think, ah, sit him out for the day, not pitch against his old old team, a lot of emotions, but this is pro sports, suck it up, buttercup. You got to go out and pitch, and it's your day because they want to keep you on turn because he's going to be now the number two guy in the Padres rotation behind you, Darvish. So he pitched, and I got a chance to catch up with him right after his outing in the Padres locker room. Can you imagine that? The A's guy in the Padres locker room interviewing Sean Manaya in a Padres uniform after he just started for the Padres against the A's. You want to talk about bizarro world? I experienced it yesterday. You're going to get it at 11.15 with Sean Manaya. Adam Aller will be here. He's one of the great stories for the Athletics making the squad at 11.20. And then you talk about emotional. My interview with Bob Melvin in the manager's office in the visiting clubhouse. There were some tears. 
Bob loves the Oakland A's. He loves you, Oakland A's fans. He's going to tell you about that at 11.30. Cole Irvin, becoming one of our fan favorites, will be here at 11.45. The new skipper of your Oakland Athletics, uh, Mark Kotze, will be at 12 o'clock. Jed Lowry at 12.15. The, this will be a live interview. The face of A's television, Glenn Kuyper at 12.30, and then sweet Lou Trevino at 12.45. Like always, we cover this ball club. We, we cover spring training like a Snuggie. We were all over it for three days here at Ho-Ho Cam. Jessica Kleinschmidt is with us here. Our new colleague is, as she is moving on in her career, as we like to say, stepping up in her career as she joins the Oakland Athletics in a role of a multimedia correspondent, uh, multimedia producer of content. Basically, she's going to be doing a whole lot of stuff for you A's fans, generating great content throughout the year, whether it's here for A's cast, whether it's social media, she is going to be all over it. She's been with us here down at spring training. How are you? I'm good. I'm great. And I, you brought up the interview that you had with Bo Mill yesterday. My first you know, couple of days here, it's already a career moment. It was really cool to watch. And I'm glad that you let me be a part of that. Well, all I know is, is I'm doing the interview with Bob Melvin. I'm looking at Bob, and I start hearing you sob behind me. <laughs> I did. I did and cry a little bit. What a lot of people, I hope they hear, was the tears in your eyes, yeah. the tears in my eyes, the tears in Bob's eyes. Mm-hmm. And it just shows how much Bob meant to all of us, how much we meant to him, how much this organization meant to Bob, that it's very odd that you have – an emotional week. I mean, we just did a thing with Steve Vucinich that you're not going to hear in this show, but we just did in the dugout kind of our farewell to Vuce. He started crying. I mean, normally there's not tears at spring training. This has been really in an emotional camp in so many different ways. There was tears in the eyes of Sean Manaya in the clubhouse yesterday and in the interview I did with him in the clubhouse ever after there was like some of the Padre people were looking at us going, what's going on? I mean, yeah. it's been very, very odd, but very emotional. And I think that's a sentiment to everybody involved, right? Just goes to show how wonderful of a man both Sean Manaya and Bob Melvin are. And you mentioned the moment he walked in there, it was a little weird to me, the, the visiting manager's office, but I didn't even know that existed, to be honest. I just assumed they figured it out. But it was really cool to know that he made such an impact and, you know, just me as a journalist forever. And I think you saw that as well. And he made my job not easy. It's not really necessarily an easy job, but just a pleasure. And it was really cool to see him once again and sporting the Brown, but he pulls it off well. So there's at least that. And yeah, it was really cool to see him back at, at Ho-Ho Cam, um, the, the place where I watched him for all those years, both as a fan and as a reporter. Yeah, and yesterday with uh, just Rhino coming in and Matt Williams and everybody yeah. going over to the A's side and the whole M- Mania saga, and it was just uh, – I know that there was – it was very emotional for Bob and his time with Steve Vucinich saying goodbye to him, and I know there was a long letter, and just a lot of stuff went down yesterday that uh, you, don't, you normally don't see at spring. But right now it's about you and talking about yes. what you are going to be doing – for us here for A's cast and what you're going to be doing also for a lot of, of our social media platforms, because now in baseball, let's face it, I mean, we're, we were so used to just 
getting partially into social media where, oh, they now have a Twitter account and, oh, they're now doing Instagram. So, my God, we're on TikTok now and so many different other platforms, which you'll be a big part of. Yeah, and, of course, I'll be here on A's Cast, which I'm very comfortable with y'all. And I've been on A's Cast before, but now I'm on the other side um, providing segments for you guys and just um, – trying to show a different part of the game um, and as well as embracing all the, the old school stuff. But I also, of course, will be hosting a bunch of social media stuff, whether it's with Kotze or any of the players. And um, I'm really excited to highlight some of the players that people may not know about because even me coming into spring training, it was a lot of new faces. And I'm excited to show fans, you know, who these new guys are, um, who they can relate to on and off the field and all that good stuff. And I'm just looking forward to having a good time. And I'm you mentioned TikTok. I'm hoping I can make some TikTok with people who may not be used to making TikToks and everything like that, embracing social media and the new age of digital media while still staying true to the old school part that we love of, of the game. I think we're going to need to bring my 16-year-old twins in to help you with some of those TikToks. Deal. Yeah, I think that you guys could have some fun. Uh, and this might be the perfect time. You think about life is timing. Our careers are timing. My career with the A's is all about timing. And when, you know, traditionally it's get to know the players, you pretty much already know the players. Uh, not this year. <laughs> I mean, this might be, you talk about you coming in when a time that, you know, we can be honest, we all got here together and we walked into the A's clubhouse and a lot of these guys, we don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. So this could be the absolute perfect time to let's, let's really learn about these guys' history, where they come from, their families, how they came, how they got into this game, how they got to the big leagues, because these guys, a lot of a lot of these guys to us are there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah, and I think that's what's cool is you know you mentioned you know last season you walked in it was oh there's Canna there's Bassett we all know them. This time around, I love being able to learn about who these guys are, and this is where it starts in their infancy of their careers. You mentioned Adam Aller earlier, and you want to talk about a beautiful story, and you want to show that to the world and this is the beginning of their careers and we get to say we knew them back then but then also we know the Stephen Vogt's faces and the Jed Lowry's faces and they're still getting a chance at the game that they love um, you know there's so much history with Eric Thames and and those types of guys and you know it's always a pleasure talking to Tony Kemp and I want the fans to know that as well but yeah it's a combination of reunions that are a lot of reunions mixed with these rookies and, and young faces. So I think it's a really fun mixture of, of all that and the storylines that we get to figure out. It's all part of the fun. And, and one of the things about this team, and who knows how this will evolve throughout 2022, is we're still kind of an old team. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to think, oh, the A's have sold everybody off. They're just going with a bunch of young guys. Uh, you know, when you start looking at Jed and Vote and, and Elvis and Tony Camp and you know not 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 everybody's a youngster on this team. <laughs> I was looking at some of the ages and it was before they they brought back Stephen Vote and you know making it selfishly I was like wow a lot of these guys are younger than me except for maybe Elvis Andrews and then they they kept bringing in more guys I'm like cool we're making the outlier not as insane uh, the median went up a little bit so yeah but I think that's what's cool is I've always appreciated I feel like the veteran catcher aspect is definitely a, a nod to a Bob Melvin who always loved to have a veteran catcher around and Stephen Vote eventually wants to become a manager and I feel like this is an opportunity for and then we can help him with the media aspect. Townie, he definitely wants to get involved in the media and all of that. But, yeah, the, the older guys are not only going to help me feel a little bit less old, but also provide some really 
important managerial and veteran status um, to the young guys, and who better to do that to be an extension of an already really strong coaching core than those types of guys. You know, we are fans, and we love the game, but this is a business, and what you need to realize all the time is that, you know, the way that baseball sold itself as a business for all those years, looking at newspapers, cable television became big in the late 80s, or I should say in the 80s, into the 90s, but it's changing. Social media came to us, I mean, obviously being in Silicon Valley for myself, uh, for a good part of my life and, and watching it grow. And for teams, it's not the traditional, you know, sports talk radio or your newspaper is the way you want to reach your fans. The number one way to really reach our fans now, and it took baseball some time. Let's face it, a lot of old dogs still in this sport. And But really the number one way for us to reach our fans and speak to them on a daily basis is social media. Yeah, and I, I think I kind of got into the – baseball digital media world right in its infancy not necessarily infancy when it started blowing up and I feel like you want to cater to both the new and the the older fans and we know what our demographic is but I also know that social media Twitter doesn't have to be intimidating tweeting doesn't have to necessarily be just posting out words and and clicking tweets and all of that there's so much more to it you want to you can bring so many different avenues including sitting down with a player or, you know, talking about a certain storyline or teasing a good article and, you know, video and everything like that. And I feel like that's what's really cool is being able to bring both the new stuff in without intimidating the demographic of the game of baseball that we all love, but making it fun and unique and still catering to every aspect, which is a difficult thing to do. You want to be entertaining, but also knowledgeable. And I'm trying my hardest to make sure that that's the the vibe I give off, and I feel like that's what's important to bringing all avenues of the game and, and still doing it within a nine-inning portrayal, and that's what we're all trying to do, but we're doing the best we can. It's difficult because we know the demographic. We know what we're facing, but I also know that I want to push the funness that made me fall in love with the game as well. And there's going to be a lot of outside noise, and you're going to see that especially on social media, and we're seeing it now where a lot of people are not going to be happy with the direction of the ball club. It's just a reality, but like what we you're going to hear from Mark, Mark Kotze coming up here at 12 o'clock, fans need to understand our job is to cover what's going on with the team, and the manager does not decide who's here, who's not. He helps the process, but that's the front office. The players, they're signed to do a job and to play and do it at the best of their ability. And we have to understand that it's it, they got to go out and compete. they got to go out and try and win. And what people are upset about outside the lines doesn't pertain to them. Mm-hmm. And we have to respect that and we have to understand. It's something that you're going to have to deal with, especially with social media, because following social media, there's a lot. People are very upset with the change. We get it. We're not telling you not to be upset. Right. As fans, I totally understand. But they also have to respect our jobs is we still have to cover this team mm-hmm. as it has been assembled. 
I agree. And I feel like if you have covered the A's at any point in your life, no matter what, whether they come in with the cannas of the world, there's always that kind of a dark cloud around the team and they tend to surprise people. And I honestly, and I was actually talking to Cody the other night about this, they might mess around and win a bunch of games in a really interesting time of the season. And I feel like they have the spark and the spunk and everything like that. But until then, we're very aware of everything that's going on. We're not oblivious to it. Um, but like you said, we're not out there making the transactions and we're not necessarily out there. We're definitely not out there writing the lineups, but we're giving the fans what we're told, what we're given, the content we're aware of, the news we're aware of and, and all of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's this, this team I grew up watching and paying attention to. And a lot of fans are very passionate about it and we understand that. But, you know, we kind of know all like that we're dealing with heading into this beginning of the season. What's the word we're using, Cody? Discovery. Discovery. Ooh, okay. It's about discovery. And also, what was the other one about uh, Oakland is? Oh, Oakland is America. Oakland is America. We're a reflection of America when you look at the Oakland A's. We got older. We got younger. Our demographics here on this team. Oakland is a, is a reflection of America and discovery. <laughs> That's what we are in 2022. That's beautiful. You should create a graphic and tweet that out. I love it. Well, welcome to the team. Thank We're you very guys. excited to have you and uh, everything you're going to be able to provide and to let the fans know there's some things they don't know about that's coming down that we can't talk about yet. Yeah. That's going to be very exciting and uh, we're going we will have a good time in 2022. We definitely will and I'm just honored to be a part of this this process with you guys and you know I've been on A's cast before and you guys always treated me so well. You've been on A's cast a few times. A few times yeah. and you give me the best intros, Townie. So you're making me step my game up um, but I'm looking forward to contributing and I always love listening to it, too. You guys do such a good job, and to be a part of it, it's dope, man. I'm stoked. So, by the way, before we get to Shamanaya, you were, didn't you do Padre Radio this morning? I did. Station? I did. Are they excited about him? Uh, yeah, and it was really easy to talk about good things about Shamanaya. Um, they were, especially because it came out this morning, uh, officially, that they wanted to put him in the number two slot um, in that rotation. Um, they're very open, you know, to bringing him on. And I just said it, he's really much an um, extension of Bob Melvin, really. And they, of course, have loved everything that Bo Mel's done over there. Um, they're excited to get started. And I said, yeah, he's a great pitcher, phenomenal addition to the rotation, but you're getting a phenomenal human being as well, which is we all knew that and we all thought that in the in the clubhouse last yeah, yesterday. So, yeah, they're excited to have him. And they're spoiled rotten to have him. Wearing a green glove and <laughs> A's gold shoes that actually end up fitting. Yeah. It, it, it worked it okay worked. with the Padre uniform, but I got to tell you, seeing him in the, in, the, in the Padres clubhouse as I was hanging out. Now, man, so, first of all, you know, after you left yeah. and I got out of there, I went back in and, you know, I got all these Padre people looking around going, because, you know, when the opposing team's here, uh -huh. it's just them. Mm -hmm. And I'm hanging out in their clubhouse, and you could tell they were like, what are you doing? Who, <laughs> who are you? Because I have the mask on, right? For sure. So first of all, they don't know who the hell I am. But yeah. then I'm a guy with a mask on, right. and my badge says Oakland A's. For sure. And it, it was it was just – it. I think we could both say we've never experienced a day like that in our career yesterday. Yeah, it was, it was weird, too, because I thought, you know, I'd be okay. I was like, cool. Like, I understand, like, Sean's great. Um, and I know that firsthandedly, um, a phenomenal interview, always willing to talk to me. And then like Bob kind of was the cherry on top of all the messness, but I'm, I'm, I don't envy you having to see Manaya in the visiting locker room. That would have done something to me. So 
I'm was, glad you took that over for me. It was bizarro world, I can tell you that. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it, and welcome to the team. Thank you, guys. Yeah, as we said, it was a it was a strange day that will probably be the final chapter of Steve Vucinich's book. You have a guy that wakes up in the morning. He gets a phone call, not from his manager, but his old manager who just left the job. I mean, when you really start to break down this whole thing, he wakes up in the morning, not to Mark Kotze calling him, but Bob Melvin, who just was his manager, to tell him that the Padres have traded for him. And he's just waking up, and he says to Bob, and I don't even know if Bob says this in the interview. I can't remember. But he says to Bob, is it a day game or a night game? And Bob has to say to him, Sean, it's the same game you were going to pitch in today no matter what. So obviously Sean just waking up didn't put two and two together that he was already pitching against the Padres uh, yesterday. But he wakes up to Bob Melvin telling him that he is now a Padre and he will be pitching against the A's in his game at 105. So we're in the clubhouse, the A's clubhouse, and Sean comes in. And obviously it was very emotional because he did get his chance to say goodbye, unlike Chris Bassett. And this starting rotation who led the baseball last year in innings pitch, they were very tight, and Sean was one of the reasons for that. And obviously there's still guys left over from this group that made it to the playoffs three straight years. And you really saw it when Chad Pender came over and hugged and, and, and sat with, with Sean. I mean, these guys have been playoffs and such big games. They built something special together, and it's all being obviously changed. And the A's are pivoting and going in a different direction. And watch Sean say goodbye to all of his teammates, and, you know, he cried. He did. And then he went out, threw the ball well, and then later came up into the Padres clubhouse. I had talked to him in the A's clubhouse, said, hey, can I get you after your start? And he had no problem. And he came up, and you could just tell, like, there was so much emotion in this young man, so much emotion from the day of everything that transpired. And all of a sudden, he comes into the Padres' clubhouse, not his clubhouse, even though it really is now his clubhouse, and just you could tell he was tired. And there was still a lot of emotion there. So I want to play this interview for you because it's the last interview um, we're going to have with him from Ho-Ho Camp Park. Really, you know, being an A, not being an A, the whole deal. But uh, a weird, weird time yesterday at Ho-Ho Camp. Here's my interview after the game inside the Padres Clubhouse with Sean Manaya. Well, we really appreciate the time. Obviously, been the strangest day of your career. Just as I'm standing here looking at you in a Padre uniform, Traded earlier today, you pitched against the Oakland Athletics, your team. Uh, what's this day been like for you? Uh, it's been a lot. Um, you know, I kind of didn't really sink in until I was uh, cleaning out my locker and, um, you know, putting things away and, you know, just realizing this was like the last time. So um, it was wild, but, um, 
you know, at the end of the day, it's still still baseball. So as far as that goes, it was a uh, you know pretty pretty regular um, and all that. But um, definitely weird seeing all the the boys on the A side and you know they were chirping in the first inning, which is funny. But um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's all love over there. So um, yeah, just a lot of it's a world, been a whirlwind for sure. You know, I think about when you first came over and I first did your first radio interview years and years ago from the Royals. And you just think about, you know, everything that you've gone through in your career with the A's to get you where you are today. And just the way that you battled through injuries and you and you stayed with it to turn into a great professional. Just when you summarize your time in Oakland, some big time games and playoff games, just how will you summarize it? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh left it left it all out there um you know i did uh did the best i could and um definitely learned a lot um just like you said going through all those uh you know injuries and um just coming up and being you know a rookie and just learning learning things on the go and um you know just the fact that they gave me the the opportunities to just keep going out there and pitching and, and learning from my mistakes is was huge so um yeah i mean it's been a but a lot of growth, uh, for sure. And then I think about one one thing that's got to be very easy for you for the transition here is going to be Bob Melvin, obviously a guy that you've played for and you've gone to war for so many times. What was that first conversation like earlier today when Bob called? You say, hey, not only you've been traded, you're still throwing yeah. today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely uh, caught off uh, caught off guard when he asked if I wanted to throw. And um, but you know, I was like, I guess might as well get it out of the way. And uh, you know, I was. Uh, um, definitely weird, but you know I'm glad I uh, was able to go out there and, and, uh, and throw. But um, yeah, seeing Bowmel and uh, Rhino uh, definitely uh, makes it a little bit easier, just because you know friendly faces and, and all that. And you know I've been with Bowmel for you know for a long time. Same with Rhino too. So um, yeah, it's nice being over here and, and uh, having them too. And um, yeah, just continue to go and um, help this help this team win. And there's a reason why they came over here. They came over here because there's a belief that San Diego is in the hunt to try and win the World Series. So you go from a situation where obviously it's tough, mm-hmm. but that's a clubhouse over there that's in total transition. You're now going to a team that's going to be fighting and doing everything they can to win the World Series, and you're one of those pieces they're bringing in. That has to be a pretty big honor. Yeah. Um, you know, it feels great to you know have a, have a team that you know wants me and, and uh, thinks that I can help them win. So... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm here for here for them and just excited to get things going. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, just got to continue to play baseball. Well, the one the one lasting impression I'll have is when Chad Pender came over with you earlier today and knowing that Chad was Chad has been really the leader in a lot of ways in that clubhouse. And to know that all you guys have been through and knowing that is kind of the end. I thought that was a real special moment for because I don't think everybody gets that moment. At least you really got today. You got that goodbye moment that so many players don't ever get. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Bass, I mean, I remember when he got traded, it was kind of I think camp had started yet. So it was kind of, you know, it was pretty much gone before things even started. And. Um, you know, Chi and I, he was like one of the first people I met with the A's organization. And, um, yeah, I know, I known him from college and things like that, but, um, you know, he's always been one of the boys and, um, yeah, I mean, be able to go in there and, you know, say goodbye to the guys was, uh, was huge and, um, definitely, uh, emotional. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I got to, um, you know, just be there for, I guess one last time. So definitely sitting down the road though.
I think about all the great times, the no-hitter, the big-time games that you pitched in, and you were always so good to us at A's Cast. We've always appreciated it, and as I told Bob earlier today, we're all going to be Padre fans now, rooting for you guys. So good luck. We'll we'll still talk to you, but good luck this season, and uh, stay healthy. Thank you very much, Tony. Yeah, I was in the clubhouse with Tony when we saw Shamanaya, and we were there when, right after it happened, we got traded. It was a real emotional scene, and um, to see him, you know, say goodbye to his teammates and then pitching the game against the A's was very bizarre. But uh, we wish him the best pitching with the Padres, and he'll be slotted at number two behind the Padres opening day starter, Yu Darvish. So uh, we wish him the best, and I guess we'll be rooting for the Padres in the National League uh, for this upcoming season with Bob and Shamanaya. So it was a uh, – Really surreal, bizarre world sequence uh, the, the last couple of days with Bob and Shamanaya here. So, yeah? Yeah. So I was just recapping the interview, saying how I was in there. And then I was going to try and do a nice transition. Wait a minute, you were in there. I was in the clubhouse when, when, the, when he came into the clubhouse oh, after the trade. Oh, so you weren't there. No, not the, the, no, I didn't go in the Padres clubhouse. You, you didn't sit in the Padres clubhouse for five innings like I did, waiting. Bob Melvin went out of his way to come find me because I because I knew he knew I wouldn't be in the in the office with you. He came up, he went and found me. So, but we're going to transition to a really good story. Let me run this down for you. 20, 20th round pick, released by the Pirates. Worked two jobs every off season. He was a substitute teacher, a valet. Worked at Home Depot, a bartender, a Rule Five draft pick. Played winter ball in Australia and indie ball in twenty nineteen. Who am I? Uh, our next guest. That's correct, Adam Aller. You know, and, and by the way, the thing about Adam Aller, which is really cool, is he you're gonna you're gonna enjoy him as an interview. You know, there's some guys who are great stories, and you get all fired up, right? And you get into the clubhouse, and you're like, I can't wait to talk to this guy. And you know, not everybody is blessed with a personality. Not everybody is great at talking with the media, and then it turns that great story into. Hmm, this one is not going to disappoint. Very thoughtful answers. I was very impressed and um, was excited to catch up with him because it's one of those moments of someone that has gone through so much and his family and his friends and everybody has worked so hard and finally he's going to get this opportunity. Ah, oh, God, just special. That One of the cool things that Mark Kotze gets to do now as a manager, which we'll talk to Kotze about that at noon, but here is... Adam Aller, new A's pitcher. Well, I know this has been a very exciting spring training for you, and you've actually been one of the big hits so far of spring training. Just what has it been like for you and your career? Uh, I mean, it's awesome. Like, you know, going into a new org, everything like that, with the opportunities opportunities that I've had here, um, I couldn't be more ecstatic. And then, obviously, you know, first big league spring training and then breaking with the team as well. Um, you know, you, you can't ride it any better, you're right? And... Uh, I know it's just been a surreal moment. I haven't really even processed it fully, and I don't think I will until we actually fly out, and then like it becomes real at that point. Yeah. So I think for right now, it's just kind of like kind of just enjoying being with the teammates and enjoying playing baseball right now. What was it like for you when Mark Kotze told you after this long journey you have had that you're on the team? Um, it's actually kind of funny. My first thought was like, 
is this an April Fool's joke? Because if so, like this is a really messed up one. Yeah. It was, and uh, I was I was telling I was talking to my buddies actually about it, and uh, I was like, of course, like with the like, with the career that I've had so far, like, the day that I get told that I'm getting uh, I'm making the roster is on April Fool's. Like that's yeah. that that just ties it all together perfectly. But um, yeah, it was it was just. I don't really know how to explain it. I don't. I don't think anybody really knows how to explain it when they first like first get that news because there's so many different things that go through your head at that point. Um, but I know, like for me at least, like I think it was kind of when he, when he first said it, like I was just like, oh my god, like I did it, like this is like actually happening. And uh, just then I started thinking of, like, about my family, my parents, everything like that, like everything that you know they had put into me throughout the years to get me to this point and then like now now i'm actually able to like kind of repay them back for that so it's a it's a surreal moment a very surreal moment you know it's been a long journey and it's funny when you you know you talk to guys and you bring up you know parents and all the driving you to games and all the support and all the time where there were some lows there are some highs you obviously you threw very well uh, but did not make the big leagues. But I just think when you walk out on that field in Philadelphia, the bunting's out, it's opening day, everything you've been through in your career, have you thought about what that moment's going to be like when you walk out and you get your name announced in front of a sold-out crowd? Um, no, I, actually, I haven't really. I mean, I've, like, obviously, you know, you think about that throughout your entire career. Like, well, what, what are you going to do on your, your debut day? But I think it's kind of like the same thing I said before, like nobody, you, you don't, you don't really know like what to expect, like until it happens. And like, you know, if you, if you try to just, you know, force things then it's not organic at that point. Right. So I don't know, like it, it's, I'm, I'm excited to, it makes, I'm obviously I'm excited to see it, but like, it's one of those things that like, I, I don't even know how to like comprehend, like how it's going to feel like what it like, cause for me, like, I feel like I'm not like a, an extremely emotional person like I try to keep things to myself and keep cool at the most but I mean something like that like that's that's gonna be a hard thing to you know keep cool on um but I'm gonna do my best to to keep the nerves and everything down and and just kind of embrace the whole thing and and just fully like submerge myself into it and see what happens but it's it's a it's gonna be cool in, in Philly just because you know that's a very historic place, and then I've got somebody, I got a buddy that's on the team there as well that uh, trained within the offseason, so and, like friends and family coming up and like all of that, like it's just it's a lot to process, but uh, I'm I'm excited for it. It's gonna be oh, it's gonna be an exciting it's incredible, moment. Yeah, man. It's, it's gonna, gonna be an incredible, incredible moment. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I've done this type of interview with a lot of guys, and it's made me over the years say this: that Oakland is the land of opportunity. When you get traded here, or you come here, or you sign here, you're gonna have a chance to make the big league. So when you got traded over here, did you have that mindset like I'm gonna have a legit shot to make it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was nothing. It was nothing to do with like the the Oakland like players or anything like that. It's just more of, you know, throughout the years, uh, I feel like I've gotten better and better every year. And then last year with the Mets, um, I to be honest with you, I felt like I deserved a shot that I had last year. Several different opportunities presented themselves, and I didn't get them. Um, 
you know, it is what it is. But uh, yeah. I, I felt like I kind of earned earned a debut last year, and I didn't didn't get one. So when I when I found out I was getting traded, is you know, I, I enjoyed my time with the Mets. Uh, they treated me very well, but. I was definitely happy to be going to an organization with a better opportunity because, I mean, you know, obviously now with, with DeGrom being down at the moment, but, you know, looking back, like, during the lockout and everything, I was just, like, looking at the Mets starting rotation, I was like, man, that's going to be a tough rotation to crack. Like, even if I was a Cy Young pitcher in the in the minor leagues, like, what, yeah. what, what, am, what am I going to do? Um, just with the amount of salaries that we had going on at that point and then also, you know, the guys. Uh, so when I got traded over here, I was I was very very happy for the opportunity, um, just to you know just to get a chance because like at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for is just just a chance. If you know if you do well, you do well. If you do bad, you do bad. But at least I want that opportunity to do one. And uh, so when I got over here, I was I was very ecstatic. Um, you know the coaches treated me awesome, players have been awesome. So uh, I, I mean now I get the opportunity, so can't squander it, right? Yeah, well, and, and I think, you know, as of today, this is going to air tomorrow on Monday as you guys are getting ready to go to Philadelphia and start the season. But Sean Maniah has been traded, and Sean has been a big part of this rotation. And once again, land of opportunity with Sean leaving, that opens up. Have they talked to you? I, I know you have the ability to start. You have the ability to eat up some innings in, in middle relief. Have they talked to you what your role is, and do you think it might have changed? Um, yeah, I was, I was long relief prior, but I know, I know when I was, when I was brought over here, I was brought over here with the intent of starting. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully that works out and I I get the opportunity to start. I'd much rather start, not that I have anything against being in the bullpen, but you know, I I feel like starting is kind of where I succeed the most. Um, and it's kind of where my repertoire works the best at. So we'll see. Um, we haven't really had that conversation yet. I, th- I think, you know, everything's still kind of settling in at the moment. But uh, I would be I'd be ecstatic to be starting, obviously. And uh, that's kind of what I came over here to do in the first place. So hopefully it works out that way. So we'll see, uh, we'll see in a couple, hopefully a couple hours. Well, and soak it all in and enjoy it because you've earned it. Welcome to the Oakland A's, and we'll see you back in Oakland. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. As we like to say all the time, sounds like an Oakland A already. You know, it's. It, I love these stories because, you know, the stories of the guy who's the first-round draft pick or the high draft pick vaults through the system, next thing you know is in the big leagues, has a long career. It, it, those are awesome. And those are the sexy stories, and those are the guys who are the stars and the guys who play a long time. But for me, covering this game for all these years, the stories that touch my heart are the Adam Allers of the world. The guys that, at some point, you have these conversations with your family, with your wife, with people just, you know, who are close to you. When you're older and you're well-traveled, where people start to doubt, like, what you're doing. People start to say, you know, are are you sure this is still it for you? You know, you're getting to a certain age where you start, you know, you gotta, you gotta go earn a living. That's not baseball. Maybe baseball isn't for you. You gave it a shot. 
You've been all over the world. I mean, some of these guys play all over the world to prolong their dream. But at some point, people look at your dream and they tell you, stop to li- stop living that dream. Go get a job. You need to support a family. You need to support kids. You need to, you need to move on. You need to prepare yourself for the rest of your adult life. And so when some of these guys don't give up on their dreams, it's really, it's, it's pretty cool when they do make it because it made all that commitment, all that sacrifice, it made it worth it. I could talk about that for, for I, I could do a whole three-hour show on that. Those moments of those guys. You think about their parents, their grandparents. You think about everybody that sacrificed to take them to the games, pick them up from games, do all the things, especially now that these younger athletes are all in these travel balls and their showcases and all. I mean, people dedicate these. These people, their parents and their loved ones, dedicate a lot of part of their lives for their careers. You know that. A lot of you out there listening, your parents, you dedicate so much of your life for your kids. And to see that your kid finally, their dream comes true. It's a special thing. Are we? Is it now time for Bob Melvin? So uh, yesterday was very emotional. This was an emotional interview. I got to tell you, there's tears. There's definite tears. Bob Melvin loves this place. Bob Melvin loves this organization. Bob Melvin loves you, A's fans. You all know that. I love Bob Melvin, what he's done for me uh, in my career. Uh, he's a friend and had to make sure, you know, he wasn't going to just do an interview. If you don't realize, we're the only ones that had him yesterday. And uh, it's always an honor to have Bob on. Here's my interview yesterday in the Padres Clubhouse with former Oakland A's manager, now San Diego Padres manager, Bob Melvin. Well, it's an honor to have the new manager of the San Diego Padres, Bob Melvin, on. I know it sounds strange for all the years having you on A's cast and, you know, 95-7 the game and everything. But we're happy for you, the new look in the brown, and you got a new ball club, and I know you're happy. But, you know, first of all, more importantly, it's just great to see you. Thank you. You know, this emotional day, you know, not only for a guy like Sean Mania, but, you know, I went over to the other side and just so many people that have been big parts of my life. Um you know, it ends up being a little harder than I originally thought coming over here. But this this two shall pass, and, and we move on. I'm a new place, but, man, do I have great memories here. Yeah, because the bottom line is what A's fans, I think they know after all the years, is you weren't just somebody that came in and took over the team as a manager. You came in as someone who grew up an A's fan, who grew up going to the Coliseum, who grew up a Bay Area guy, who it wasn't just a job. This meant something to you to put on that uniform and wear the number of Sal Bando. And I think that's something that, you know, people always need to know that you wanted to be here. You love the organization. And that's kind of like a lasting thing I want A's fans to know. Yeah, well said. I mean, they'll, they'll never be you know, that type of feeling anywhere I ever go. So I, I'm really happy where I am. You know, we have a, a roster that's that's built to win. Um, you know, we got a few guys hurt right now, but it just seems, you know, it comes time. And I knew there would probably be another rebuild here. Um, and honestly, I feel so good that Mark Kotze gets to manage here because he's ready to do it as well. And, and he has, you know, history with the organization, history with me. So in that respect, I'm really happy. But... Uh, you know, there's no place like Oakland. 
I will never forget the story you told me when you took over the team in Chicago and you're flying back and you're looking at the media guide to figure out who are all these guys. I got to tell you, I thought about that because that's how I felt walking into the clubhouse. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who all these guys are. And that's something that, you know, if you had advice for Mark Kotze on how to deal with a bunch of brand new unknown variables, what would that be? You know, just be himself and, and be in charge. He, you know, it's good that he's had time here in the organization so they know who he is and he knows most of the guys and, and understood who was coming up in the organization too. Obviously, during this kind of turnover, there's going to be some trades and some new guys, but I think if anybody's you know made for this job here, it's Mark Kotze. I wish him the best, and, and he's going to do a great job. The one thing this organization usually has is some continuity at the top, You know whether it's Billy and David and within the coaching staff as well, minor league coaches and so forth, so he'll, he'll insulate in that. You know, and I think about, you know, when you're going to look across the dugout today, that's a lot of it is your staff. And it's a staff that you help build, you have helped grow. Does that give you confidence in where the A's are going to go? Because you know these guys so well. Without a doubt. And they'll overachieve to what everybody's thinking is going to happen this year. It happens every year here. And it has a lot to do with, you know, not only that staff, but Keith Lipman and what he does over uh, with the minor leagues. I, I know when I first came over here, I brought a couple coaches with me. And then getting to know Lip and the people that were in the organization, and he'd say, this guy's ready. And from that point on, it was always internal. And I think it's really good for the coaching, coaches in the organization to know there's a path to the big leagues. And there's always been that path because of guys like Keith Lippin, uh, who runs our, who for many years ran our minor league organization. You know, what we talk about with you now coming to San Diego, I mean, it's not your first rodeo, right? You've taken over organizations before. And when you're the captain of a ship, not every ship runs the same way. All ships are different. What is the transition like now being the head of the Padres? Yeah, it's different. And I, I don't know why I would expect any, you know, you, you come in and you kind of do your own thing and then you realize, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are different here that I have to get used to, too. So I'm trying to remain pretty consistent. I'm very routine oriented, as you know, but it's getting to know players. It's getting to know front office staff. It's getting to know support staff. And, and it's a lot. And they do things a little bit differently. It's way more scout based than, than the A's. You know, scouts are, are omnipresent over there. We're here. It's a little bit more in Oakland. It's a little bit more in the, in the analytic um, you know, not as big a group, uh, you know, here in Oakland is, is a lot of the layers in San Diego, but you know, there's no perfect way in doing it. And I'm just trying to get used to it. And now you got some players like you had, I mean, you had some star players over in Oakland, but you got some star players here. I mean, Manny Machado's put up unbelievable numbers, Fernando Tatis Jr. Hopefully he'll be healthy sooner than later, but you have some real quality players. And when you talked about, I mean, this is a team that is, I think you came here for one reason, it was to win and to win the whole thing. Yeah, that, that's that, there would be no other reason for me to leave Oakland. So when I, I, I've never had a $100 million payroll, let alone a $200 million payroll. So that resonates, and there's some big-time players there. You look at the guys in our rotation, starting with you, Darvish, and you know there's a lot of depth there and, and quality guys there and you know all over the place here. So it's just a little different dynamic, and uh, you know San Diego's probably not going to be a bad city to spend a – spend a summer in as well so it, it's all new to me and um you know sometimes that's invigorating and inspires you how much do they come to you and ask you about sean Maniah when they're looking to acquire him they they, they, they better right so um i said look you, you're not going to find a better teammate than this guy I've, I've for forever i've called him the world's best teammate so i know he's a little emotional today it's 
I, maybe not the ideal day to pitch him, but it's kind of where we <laughs> the need. day gets traded, <laughs> right? And, and you know, and, and so the day he gets traded and pitching against his former team, so we'll cut him a little bit of a break. We just need to get some some pitches out of him today because he's going to pitch in the two spot for us. Um, but hopefully, the fact that I'm here and Ryan Christensen's here and Matt Williams is here, guys that he knows, uh, the transition's a little bit easier for him. But I know this is a hard day for him. Now, Matt Williams, you think of Matt Williams. I know the greatness that you guys had with the Diamondbacks. Uh, I mean, obviously the Indians, he was there. But you think of Matt Williams as a San Francisco Giant, the big Marine, right? And I saw him today, and I looked at him in the Padre uniform. And if there was anybody where it's just like, wow, Matt Williams in a Padres uniform? Yeah, I mean, anything but a Giant uniform, he looks a little different. And even when he was first here in Oakland, even though he fit in really well for you. I've been with Matt. He was a teammate. I've been the bench coach on a team we won a World Series championship with. I was the manager in Arizona when he was a part owner. I was with him in Oakland. I'm with him here in San Diego. I mean, there are certain guys that you you look to bring in and you have that kind of confidence and relationship, and he is certainly one of those guys. You've told me in the past that you are not going to be a guy that's going to be the really older manager, that there's a lot of things in your life. I know with your wife, you want to travel. There's things that you want to do. Just how, you know, I know every job's important, every year's important, but, you know, this step for you in your career in San Diego, is this like, is, is this it for Bob Melvin and this is win the World Series now? Because you do it, that, that gives you the credentials to be a Hall of Famer. Well, I look, I, I'm just, this is probably past, I was looking at 60, you know, to, to, to call it off, and I never thought of myself as a baseball lifer. But there's, you know, this situation here is, is a little bit different in the fact that this team is really built to win. And, you know, you take one more shot at it. So I would say you're probably right. This is my last gig at this point. But uh, I'm really excited about it. You're not going to be like the old days Sparky Anderson, the way he treated Bob Melvin in the outfield in Detroit? No, no, no. And those were different times. So at that time, he probably treated me the way you're supposed to. It's a little different nowadays, but I don't see myself doing it much longer. You know, I mean, obviously it's emotional for all of us because i mean how good you were to me and all of us we always just want to say thank you well the feeling's mutual and you're getting me choked up here again townie every time we do this since i've since i've left it's been that way um but you know what you're you're a good friend of mine there's people and acquaintances that you meet in the game and then there's good friends and you're one of those for me it's hard because and as crazy as oakland is and i think this day says it all to where we're trading one of our best pitchers to the Padres, the team that you left for, and he's starting against us on the day. It's just, it's the craziness, but I think it's the bond that made all of us so close. Yeah, it feels like we're in the middle of a vortex today. I mean, it really is. There's so many subplots to it. There's a lot of irony to it. Um, Like I said, I'm a little worried about Sean today, but, uh, you know, it's just great to have somebody here from the A's that, you know, player because I was so close to these guys for so long. You know, I watch Matt Chapman on TV and I watch Matt Olson on TV and I, you know, tear up uh, to have a guy like Sean Manai on our team is going to do a lot for me. Well, I grew up in San Diego. I guess I got to start rooting for the Padres again. We love you and thank you for everything. Thank you. We can be your National League team and I know you vacation there, so hopefully you'll, <laughs> you'll come see me during the season. Yeah, there's tears after that, man. Jessica Kleinschmidt's crying in the back behind me. I couldn't look at her, and I had tears, and Bob had tears, and uh, he's a great man, and he'll always be an Oakland Athletic. He's the winningest manager in Oakland A's history. And 
know, he'll always be a friend uh, to a lot of people around here. There's no question about it. And now, I mean, we just got we got so much to play for you. Uh, just he was just here in the booth. Glenn Kuyper is going to join us, the face of A's Television. He's going to be here at twelve thirty. The skipper for the very first official Mark Kotze show will be here at noon. But before we do that, he's our favorite duck, our favorite Oregon duck, the big left-hander who really right now will be the number two in the rotation for you behind opening day starter Frankie Montas. Here is the left-hander, Cole Irvin. So it's great to catch up with you. How's spring gone for you? Spring's been going good. Um, You know, just getting my feet wet with a couple new grips, and it's been good. Uh, You know, the the energy's good here, and it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. So take us through that, because normally spring training, you know, for some guys, well, I've always said spring training is different for everybody. Some guys are already established. Some guys are trying to make the team. You were trying to make the team. Now you've made the team, and now you're able to experiment some things. Talk about how that's different. Well, it's it's different because, you know, in a weird way, yeah, I'm still, I still want to, you know, earn my keep and, and earn myself a job for, for this season. Um, so that doesn't change. The mentality behind that doesn't change. But it's the first year that I don't feel the pressure to go and try to go all out in spring training to earn an opening day job. So whereas to, you know, like I'm able to relax a little bit more, throw, throw pitches, you know, in different counts that I typically might not would or I typically wouldn't just because I have that opportunity to. It's just time to experiment a little bit. And and with my cutter and my slider being new grips, uh, it gives me a chance to kind of see what it looks like against big league hitters and where the adjustments need to be made. And um, So that's been a fun part of camp for me because that's normally I don't get a chance to do that. Um, and I haven't had a chance to do that. So now that I do it's it's a different feeling and i don't feel that pressure to try to overachieve as early um as i have in past springs and that's that's the biggest thing is uh, i've i've pushed myself to overachieve in the past three four uh spring trainings to earn a job on opening day and now that i can kind of relax about that i i just kind of wanted to enjoy camp and i wanted to actually kind of move slower and and a little bit more professionally i guess is the best way to put it no, I like it. It's like new weapons. It's almost like new golf clubs. You got new clubs in the bag. Yes, absolutely. New clubs in the bag. I love that analogy. Yeah, no, so it's solid. So when you think about, you know, your role, one of the things that I know that drives a lot of us nuts who have been covering this game for a long time is lack of innings pitched. And I know that means a lot to you just to absorb as many innings as possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a little disappointed that I didn't get to 180. You know, I was at 178, and then I'm a little more disappointed that I didn't get to 190, 200. Um, I felt like I could have in a uh, last season. Um, you know, I kind of fell off at the end of last year, but, you know, those those learning woes, those, those things that you go through throughout the year, especially my first full season in a big league uniform, um, I learned a lot in how to control – my body and how, how to maintain my body throughout the whole year and I got a little tired at the end so now I kind of know what to expect kind of coming into this season and and now that's the goal for this year is to eat again 
more than 178, which is what I had last year, and try to improve uh, the rest of my numbers. I want a few more strikeouts this year. Um, I know I'm a pitch of contact guy, but I, <laughs> but I, but I feel like I feel like with my retooling, my new golf clubs, yeah, uh, my new wedges, um, I'll be able to, I'll be able to carve out a few birdies. So. Um, uh, That'd be fun. I'm gonna start calling my K's birdies. Yeah, there you yeah, go. There we go. I, I didn't even think about that until just now. So, but yeah, no, that's that's the goal this year. It's just to be a little bit more competitive and aggressive in the zone um, because I can. I felt like my best games last year um, that I rewatched in the off season. Uh, were when I was aggressive, and so if I can maintain that through a full season, um, that'll be the goal. So, and I and I think I can. Yeah, always remember, Ace Cast is here for you. So when you're talking to the media, we can always help you with some some sayings and some slogans. Yeah. We're always here to help. You know, for you going back to Philly and starting this journey of what is 2022, how's that going to be for you? It's going to be fun. Um, you know, obviously, I've I've known those guys for. A number of years and you know i started my career there and um, made my big league debut um, in that uniform so uh it's gonna be it's gonna be good to go back um i love the city i love the food in the city i mean there's just so much there's so much fun to be had and and um there in philadelphia but I'm, but we're there to get a job done and and um the, the goal is going to be the same as any other team is get as many outs and be in that game as long as possible and and yeah there's going to be a little bit more chip on my shoulder because i felt like uh you know there's something to prove um to to those guys that you know i am i'm a, I'm a rotation guy now and i wish i had you know there there's there's a little bit of part of me that you know you're like you know, you wish you had that opportunity to fully try to get into the rotation um, with a ball club as good as theirs and so but now I'm ready to compete for us and that's the biggest thing is try to put a W in the in the in the column for us uh, whatever day I'm starting. All right, before we talk duck football, I do want to do a football analogy because we saw it all the time with guys. When they go from college to the NFL, they're not used to the longer season. It would be the same thing for whether you're going college to the minor leagues. What is it? Is it more physical when you look at draining, or is it more mental now pitching more games, more innings than ever before? Maybe just both. It's a balance. It's a balance between both. And you got to understand when you can take some time off for yourself and when you can actually push. Um, you know, spring training is the time where you're kind of balancing that. Um, like right now, like our, our strength, our strength schedule isn't as high, but it's more speed based in terms of our workouts. So when we get on the field, we do explosive motions, do all that. So we're trying to mimic that in the weight room. When season starts, we're trying to maintain where our body is leaving spring training and try to maintain that peak performance as long as we can throughout the season. So you're going to come come in, you know, maybe lifting a little bit more in the beginning of the season, and then middle season comes, and you kind of take it down a little bit, but then you ride it back up right after the All-Star break to get your, you know, body going again. And then as the season comes to an end, you kind of start to dive back down a little bit just to give yourself a little bit more rest. So that's the biggest thing, and I learned a lot last year, um, not only just from Sean, but from Bass and Frankie, 
those guys were really helpful just in terms of my growth as, as a big league ball player. Yeah, it's a business. We all understand it. And with the news this morning, and this is going to air tomorrow, so Shamanai is now with the San Diego Padres. You mentioned Bassett with the Mets. So we know about the two Mats. Just when you lose guys like that, especially guys in that fraternity, because remember last year we talked how close all you guys were in the rotation. To lose those two guys, and especially Sean today, how tough? It's it's tough. Uh, when I woke up and saw it on my MLB news timeline, I was not exactly ready to wake up to it. Um, Sean's, as everyone knows, Sean is the comedian of the team. He's our he's our spark plug. Honestly, he he knows how to keep the guys going and keep the guys loose and just the the type of energy he brings to the ballpark every day. That's that's stuff you can't replace. And um, but he's also a good friend and and he's going to play for Bowmel. So uh, there's a part of me that's like, well, go get yourself a ring, you know. And and so I'm excited for him as a friend. Um, sad for him as a teammate, you know, because we're losing him. But at the same time, you know, he taught us a lot of, you know, taught me, Cap, about how to be loose in the dugout and how to enjoy moments and how to enjoy time with each other. And, and that's stuff that we're going to continue to carry. At least at the very least, I'm going to try to carry on and, and um, in my everyday athletic career. So uh, just trying to enjoy enjoy the moments as Sean did. And, and so we're just going to keep going and keep plugging along. But, yeah, it's, it's a big loss to have all those guys um, this camp just kind of leave the team. But at the same time, we still have a job to do. we still got to win games, and we're still the Oakland A's. We're going to win. We're going to win ball games. All right. So we got the national championship game going to be finishing up here on Monday night. We won't talk hoops. How's Duck football going to be strong? I know we got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah, we got a long way to go, so we'll see. But I'm curious to see what our quarterback situation looks like. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about the changing at the helm. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing seeing how Duck football does getting into spring camp here. Always awesome to have you on the program. We'll see you back in Oakland. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Becoming a Ace cast favorite, Cole Irvin, who I did predict would be the opening day starter for the A's in Philadelphia. That is the very first prediction of 2022 that I've gotten wrong. I knew it was a long shot when I made that prediction. It was one of those where, like, you know, when you look at the odds of who's going to win the Super Bowl or who's going to win the World Series, I knew it wasn't a front runner. I know it had a chance, but it is the first – it's a first L for Chris Townsend in 2022. Well, we haven't – maybe we'll do – you know, I'll tell you now, my, my big one is – and I asked Emo about this earlier, about will we see a pitcher go 200 innings. Well, I, we still have to establish that bet because that bet is on. Yeah, I don't – but, yeah, we'll get into that. But uh, I, I am going to bet, Commander Cody, that the there will be – what are we – or uh, I, I, I say we – a nice dinner. We bet a dinner. Okay. Uh, I, I will bet – In San Jose, I don't like to travel. <laughs> it can be in San Jose. <laughs> uh, I will. Um, I will bet that there will be one. Now I calculated at there will be at least over 400 starting pitchers this year in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's that's fair. Manassian. Yeah, Terry Perry Manassian. Manassian, the yeah. GM yeah, of the, the Angels, Angels, said there's teams average 13. I'm going off the Angels GM here. 
13 starting pitchers. 13 that Major League Baseball averages 13 starting pitchers. Modern day teams average 13 starting pitchers. Okay, 13, you start looking times 30 and obviously that's not the average. So I'm going to say there's going to be over 400 pitchers. I'm betting I need just one. Just one. One of them won't beat the Grom. One. I just need one to go over 200 innings. And we're, you know, in the, the for list for a dinner. The list last year was Walker Bueller, Adam Wainwright, Sandy Alcantara and I always draw a blank on the last guy um, who would have done it. Wasn't it wasn't Robbie Ray who won the Cy Young? Wasn't it the Marlins guy? I said him already. Sandy Alcantara. Um, who did you mention? Bu- Wainwright. Wainwright, Bueller, Alcantara. And I don't know why I keep blanking on the last guy. I'd have to pull it up, but it wasn't Scherzer, right? No. Um, right, who are we? You don't have time. Uh, just know that there is a bet out there. I need just one. I, I, I'm down. I already got a loss. Oh, uh, Zach Wheeler was the other 200-inning pitcher. Zach Wheeler was the other guy? Yeah, who's not even pitching for the Phillies. I think he's, he's not starting opening day. Aaron Nola is. Huh? Aaron Nola starting opening day. Okay. Earlier today, we got our chance, and we're going to get it every single – looks like every Friday you're going to hear the Mark Kotze show. Our first affair – now, we've had him on multiple times as the new manager of the A's, but this is the very – First official Mark Kotze show. Well, it is our first official edition of the Mark Kotze show brought to you by nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Go to any of their locations or go to nestbedding.com. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order as we now got you and your family getting set up with Nest Bedding. That's right. I couldn't be happier. Uh, you know, Tony, this is awesome. It, it's kind of sounded weird. You called it the Mark Kotze show, which going to have to take some time to get used to that. Well, you're the skipper. You're the guy. You know what I always say, and you had, you mean, you've been around some of the great ones. You know, there's that guy that's always got to be front of the bus, front of the plane, the guy that's got to lead the charge. You're now that guy. What's it been like so far? Well, it's, it's been fun. It's obviously exciting. It's been a lot of work. Um, you know, you never anticipate um, – you know, the magnitude of the position until you sit in it. And, uh, you know, this spring training being that it's uh, it was a shortened spring training, uh, we got in here. Uh, my staff did an unbelievable job in, in preparing a, a plan, uh, especially because normally we're uh, able to use both complexes for spring training, which is our Fitch minor league side. They've got four fields. Uh, you know, it, it makes things easier in planning a schedule and laying out the live BPs and so forth. So, um, you know, we've really done a great job in, in getting as much work as possible uh, in a limited space and a limited amount of time. You know, one of the things about spring training, you know, there's unbelievable conversations you're going to have. And then there's really tough conversations you're going to have. Right. And, and we, the media, it wasn't really till hard knocks in the NFL that we really got to see how tough those conversations <laughs> are, where you got to see them tape it. But just talk us through it. I mean, obviously, as a player, 17 years, you went through the good ones and the bad ones as a player. Now, as the guy that has to deliver those messages, let's first start with the tough ones. When you're you're sending a guy down or you're making that tough call and you're giving a guy information that he doesn't want to hear, but you still under you have the compassion as a human and as a former player, what that guy needs to do. How tough are those? Yeah, they are difficult. Uh, it's not the not the fun part of the job by by any means. Um, had a couple of those really hard, tough conversations yesterday. Um, you know, we've got a group in there right now that's still with us that's not going to break with us. 
Um, those guys have done everything they possibly can to make this team and be a part of it opening day. And unfortunately, they're just there. There isn't room for them. But that being said, the message is that, that there's going to be opportunity here, regardless if you break with us. This organization utilizes a lot of players. Uh, you've seen that in its in the history. Uh, and so the message to them is just go down and be prepared. Be prepared. Go perform. Uh, and know that that we, uh, you know, we care about you. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be actively watching you, uh, and we're going to be in need of, of, of their services. So, um, you know, the earlier send-downs are, are, are just as difficult because guys in this camp didn't get an opportunity to showcase themselves for an extended period of time. Normally you get 28 games. We get 18 this year. So uh, in that shortened time frame, some guys didn't get the full opportunity to be seen out there and go perform and go earn a, earn a spot on this team. So, um you know, I'm getting through those conversations, and, and like you said, on the backside, uh, the joyful ones uh, of telling someone that they did make the team. Well, that's the what I want to get to next was, you know, you talk about Adam Aller, and, and we were talking to him the other day and just seeing the joy on his face, you know. These guys that aren't number one, you know, first-round draft picks like yourself, guys that, you know, they battled all these years. Who knows where they played around the world to keep their dream alive and their parents drive them to games and their brothers and sisters who, who sacrifice. And finally, as as professionals, they finally get that call. You are talking about the other day how you got thrown out of a game and then got told you were going to the big leagues. But – just how cool is that to have those conversations to say, you know, your dream is finally going to come true. I mean, that's magical. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's awesome. Um, you know, like you mentioned with all our, I was really hoping that he would walk a guy and that I could do it on the mound the other day with, you know, with bringing him, taking the ball from him and, and letting him know that, you know, the next time I take the ball from him, it'd be in Philadelphia or Tampa or, you know, but uh, the moment in the dugout was special. Um, you know, he, he was filled with emotion, uh, shaking when I gave him a hug. Uh, yeah, I'll remember that, you know, forever. And, uh, other special moments yesterday in my office, uh, Jake Lemoyne, a right-handed reliever for us that'll be start out in our pen. Uh, he's another gentleman that's grinded. Uh, you know, I talked a lot about the word grit, which is that commitment and perseverance for that long-term goal. And, and, these guys have done that, just like you talked about, with their families, with growing up, with their parents supporting them. And I mean, you, you painted a perfect picture. And, uh, and to be able to, to, to reward them uh, for their journey and ha- give them this opportunity to be on an opening day roster, it's, it's been awesome. Yeah, I'm not going to say who the guy was, but yesterday I was, um, I don't know what I was doing, but I was coming back after the game and I was walking by the dugout and one of your players was sitting here on the top step in total tears, and he was holding the phone, and I could tell. I don't know who was on video, whether it was Zoom or whatever, probably parents, wife, girlfriend, whoever it was, but just to see him in total tears, you're like, that's the cool thing about this game, right? I mean, we all we all strive to get to a certain level. The majority of us fail. We never get there, yeah. but the certain guys that do, and it's it's uh, it's one of the cool things about spring training, and and now you you got your guys set, and you're getting ready to go, and I and I and I really appreciate what you said yesterday because everybody's going to want to ask you the questions about guys that you lose, 
that's, you know, you're the manager. You need to manage the guys that are here. That's all you can worry about. You got you to gotta win with the guys that you got, and it truly is a next man up mentality. Yeah, it has to be. You know, we've been through a lot in a short amount of time with, with change, right? And change is very difficult. Not everyone embraces change. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear behind it as well with that change. Um, we've taken the mentality uh, from the beginning of spring training when, when things, um, you know, started to, to happen with, with our guys that were the nucleus and were the base with the mats and, and with Chris that, that it, we were going to take a next man up mentality and that uh you know you you think about why a navy seal rings a bell he's not ringing the bell because he's quitting he's ringing the bell to remind the group that they need to come together and they need to take that next man up mentality so um not that we compare to navy seals but you know we've lost a lot of guys and and you know i think this group in there uh has has taken an identity that uh it doesn't matter who's who's here and and we're here together and we're going to go compete to win yeah, I mean, and, and there's going to be times where mistakes are going to be made, stuff's not going to look great. But I think what I, I like about with you as the managers, we all know deep down how you are. And there will be a time where that the guy that has no problem kicking people in the butt's going to come out. <laughs> I can't wait to see that because it, it will get just knowing you and knowing that guy will come out. There's going to be some tough love, but you, <laughs> you know, this group, uh, again, you know, they're, they're in there grinding and that's what I've always asked is just go out, give me an effort. You know, we're not going to, uh, like you said, uh, you know, be embarrassed. Uh, we want to play the game the right way. Uh, and if we get beat, we get beat. When you look at what a guy like Jed Lowry, Stephen Vogt can do for you, how do you see them, just not from what they can do at the plate or out in the field, how do you think they can help you with which should be at some point some younger players coming through this clubhouse? Yeah, no doubt. Both of their experiences, uh, you know, Jed and I were teammates in 2008 with the Boston Red Sox, so I'm managing a, a teammate, um, which which we laugh about. But their experience uh, in the game, uh, their humility uh, that, that we all go through in this game, uh, will help, you know, in terms of uh, sending that message of, of how difficult, you know, this game really is in those moments when when things just don't seem to be going right. So their presence in the clubhouse uh, alone, um, you know, sets a tone. Uh, they'll be able to, to help these younger players that are gonna, that are going to be graduating and, and getting their first taste of, of what it's like to be a Major League Baseball player because uh, it's a grind. And uh, I'll rely on them as well. They're going to, uh, you know, help me uh, through this process as a, as a young manager. Uh, I'm going to stay connected and communicate with them uh, to, to assess the heartbeat of this club and, and the needs that, that those guys need in that locker room. How much are you going to enjoy? Because we don't think about teaching going on at the big league level, but there, there really is. How much are you going to still enjoy the teaching aspect of the game? Yeah, and, and, and as you say that, the first thing in my mind is my coaching staff. These guys um, have graduated through, you know, our system. They're, they're lifelong Oakland A's coaches. Uh, they've gone through the minor leagues. They've developed players. Uh, they've coached at the major league level now for years. And, uh, and that's what it's about. It's about teaching. So uh, you can't ever stop teaching if you're a coach. And, and that's something I learned over the last seven years as a coach 
uh, in the grind with these guys is that, that they still need to be taught. And they, they, there's still a lot to learn uh, in this game, even, even if you are a major league player. You know, it's so interesting watching someone like yourself go from player to manager uh, and coach is, you know, back when you dealt with the media, they were asking you about what you did, right? It was like, you know, you screwed up or you were successful or, and that's, you had to face that every single game. Now you have to talk before every game. You're going to talk after every single game. And now you're not talking about what you could control, which was yourself. You're now talking about your players. How has that been a different transition for you? Yeah, you know, right now in spring training, you don't get those those questions about specific instances in in game. So uh, those are those are you know right around the corner in Philadelphia and opening day, I'm sure. But yeah, the, I'm going to you know obviously be fair and 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 you know you can't. Uh, when players make mistakes, you know you you can't just protect them every time. They have to understand that uh, we all have to be held accountable. I'm going to make mistakes, and I'm going to hold myself accountable. So that's how I was as a player. Uh, I'll never forget my first uh, major mistake in a game. '97. Uh, I was with that World Series Marlins team playing center field. Uh, we're up by two in the in the ninth inning, and uh, there was two men on for Philly actually and I can remember like it was yesterday there were two outs and this line drive gets hit just like yesterday with Pache he comes breaking in hard right well I came flying in because I was going to catch this line drive and the game was going to be over and it just kept rising on me and it went over my head to the wall both runs scored right we should have been in no I should have been in no doubles there were two outs the, the tying run was at first I mean everything you could do wrong well 30 seconds after the game, my locker's filled with reporters, and I stood up and took accountability. I messed up. My fault. And I'll never forget, Bob Bonilla came over right away, put his hand on my shoulder, and just said, Rook, you're going to be all right. This game this game humbles you, but you're going to be all right. You you did everything correct in standing up and, and answering those questions. So, Well, this journey, I, I mean, for you, when you step out in Philadelphia, all the bunting and the sold-out crowd, and they announce you as the manager – um, you know, I've watched your journey as unfortunately I had to play against you in college. So I got to watch you wear us out uh, at San Jose State. But, uh, you know, just to, you know, to, to watch this whole thing has been very, very special. And to know you for years and uh, very proud. It's really cool. And uh, congratulations. And we'll do this every single week. I know you got to go talk to the media, finish up here at spring training. But this is awesome. And, of course, yep. Nest Betting is thrilled uh, to start this partnership with you and your family. And uh, we'll take it from here. And uh, the 2022 season's about to start. Good luck. Yeah, thanks, Tony. I appreciate it, buddy. The Mark Kotze Show, the very first edition of 2022. He's going to join us every Friday. Now, that's going to be a little different than uh, the last skipper, who we were kind of all over the board and never knew. Uh, Mark wants to be consistent, wants to do it every Friday, so you know every Friday you will get the Mark Kotze Show. So it'll be good to have him on A's Cast and A's Cast Live throughout the 2022 season. Jed Lowry, there's just something about the Oakland A's and Jed Lowry. When he's here, he stays healthy, and he hits. And that's been the biggest problem for him in his career is staying healthy with the different organizations he's been with. No one's ever doubted the talent. No one's ever doubted his ability to swing the bat and give you a great at-bat from the left or right side. It's just can he stay healthy? 
Well, when he puts the green and gold on and the white spikes, he stays healthy and he swings it, and he's back in 2022. Well, I got to tell you how excited I was when I heard the news that you re-signed with the A's and that you were coming back. It's just, if you talk about a player and an organization and the fit just worked, it's Jed Lowry and, of course, the <laughs> Oakland Athletics. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. What was that like when, you know, a lot of other teams, places that you could go, but just this is the place for you? Yeah, no, I, I like I said, the fit, the fit has always been good. And, um, you know, it, it was one of those, like, I was looking for an opportunity that, uh, that I could still play because after the year that I had last year, um, I wanted the opportunity to get as many bats as I could. And now you're going to do it maybe at another position, which obviously, I mean, being a guy who was a career shortstop, you can play any, being that kind of athlete, you can play anywhere on the diamond. Uh, what is it like going over to first base and putting that big old glove on? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's certainly an adjustment. I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I'd be lying to you if I said it was uh, anything else. You know, I, I take the same glove with me whether I'm playing second, short, or third, and it is. It's a different glove. It's different footwork. It's different instincts. Um and so, you know, you just got to get out there and, uh, and try to learn uh, as quickly as you can. All these years you've been playing in the infield and you've thrown it to a first baseman. Now are you over there going, what the heck am I doing uh, over here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and listen, I, I'm, moving, I'm moving well, and, and, you know, hopefully I get some opportunities at second as well. Um, but we just got to see how that, all that plays out. And for you, it's always been about you can swing it. How are you feeling so far in the cage? You're not going to have a whole lot of time to get ready like normal. Yeah, no, I, it, that's going to be that's going to be the biggest challenge of all this is um, you know just being game ready. Um, you know, I, I'm two week two weeks behind uh, everybody else here, and um, so just making sure that I'm I'm prepared uh, to play a long season and in in game shape. I came into camp in great condition. And um, but you can't uh, you know, you can't replicate this environment anywhere else. That's always you know, I think about that because with you, it's always we've always had this idea that you get out of bed and can go three for four mm -hmm. and that you've always come into camp ready to hit. Sure. But yeah, you can't replicate what is real as a guy up there pumping 98 at you. Yeah, precise that. And, and just like the ups and the downs, right? Like not, and not necessarily like the, like, you know, the statistics, but like going and sitting on the bench, getting back up, um, you know, the adrenaline kind of surge and dip uh, throughout the throughout the game, being on your feet, running bases, all those things in this environment with the adrenaline, um, with all the eyes on you, all that. Like, that's just something that, uh, you know, you, you have to uh, – you can't replicate. Some people like DH, some people don't. You really got to establish some type of routine. I've heard about guys get on exercise bikes. Uh, somebody I heard one time likes – would take a steam before every single I mean, uh, do you like DHing, and do you have a routine when you do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, I'm wherever wherever I can fit into the lineup, right? And I, I DH'd a little bit more last year um, uh, as I was, you know, nursing a, a bad foot. Um, but that was, uh, you know, something that I think, uh, you know, as I, as I continue to uh, mature, let's say, um, you know, I, I think there'll be, you know, hopefully there'll be more opportunities in that role as well. Now being, you know, without a doubt, veteran guy, and you've seen so much and have had great success with this organization, 
you know, what is it like helping out Mark Kotze? Obviously somebody who you've known for a long time. Yeah, yeah, we go way back. I mean, we played together my rookie year in Boston. And, um, you know, he's got he's got a great personality, good communicator. He's not going to sugarcoat anything. Um, and, you know, I think he's uh, I think he's going to do a great job. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to working, uh, working with him and, and seeing how that all plays out for him. Yeah, because it's an interesting transition being someone who was already in the organization. Everybody knew him. Everybody liked him. He knows everybody in the minor leagues, obviously being on Bob's staff. But now now you got to be the leader, and at times you got to kick some guys in the ass. Mm-hmm. So it's like an interesting transition of going from a guy on the staff to now being – the leader, the head guy. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't anticipate his personality changing at all, or, um, but, but he's just going to be the point man, just like you said, right? And you know, if you came to him as the third base coach or whatever role he was in, I, I don't think his response, um, you know, the way he handles situations is going to change a lot. Um, there's a, might be a few more dynamics at play, but I, I really don't anticipate his personality changing a lot. When you look at your career. And you think about where you are now. I mean, now you're not thinking you don't have a 10-year plan from probably here uh, as a player. How much are you just going to sit back and enjoy every moment? I mean, I, I've, I've tried to my whole career. Um, I, I obviously get very focused on what I'm trying to do in, in the moment. Um, but, you know, I, I think every, uh, every opportunity you get in the big leagues is a special one. Well, no doubt, and I think about it, you're one of the best extra base hitter, extra base hitters in the history of this organization. Wow. The stats prove it. Yeah, and we've always talked about like you sniff doubles as good as anybody. <laughs> Wait, is that just something you've always had? Is that natural? Do you think about it? It's just like. Man, you rack up doubles like it's going out of style. Yeah, I, I, I kind of joke and say I'm not strong enough to hit a lot of homers and not fast <laughs> enough to hit a lot of triples. Um, but I, I hit the ball hard a lot. Um, and you know, numbers will back that up as well. And so, you know, when those balls, uh, uh, when those balls drop, they, they end up doubles usually. Well, I know from, you know, meeting your wife at Stanford mm-hmm. and your guys' time here in the Bay area has always been magical. And sure. I just, it's, it's always been the right fit. That's why it's so great to have you back I because how much you appreciate this organization and what it's meant to you and your family. No, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, the best years of my career here, um, multiple playoff teams and um you know just a lot of good memories well we always appreciate you coming on ace cast live and uh who knows how long we may be here forever yeah yeah exactly (laughs) might as well right try to try to outrun time well always appreciate the time be well we'll see you back in oakland sounds good yeah you think about it jed would have never thought years ago his first time around here in oakland that this would be the place that's for him and obviously he has gone back to Houston. He's gone to New York. He's got but he always ends up back here. Why? Because this is the place. I mean, he has set the franchise record in a single season for doubles. Knowing now what he is as a guy that can help the younger hitters and the younger players. And, you know, where where Jed Jed probably this last time around has really understood where he is from a standpoint of helping other players. Not saying he wasn't like that as a younger player, but I think you just naturally understand as you get older that your role changes more than, hey, I just need to get myself ready to play every day that I can help the other guys, especially the younger guys, learn to become professionals and learn to become better hitters. So he's kind of like a pseudo hitting coach around the cage. 
Cage Whisperer is what Vince Catronio calls him. Yeah. Cage Whisperer. I like to call him a professional hitter. I think that's what he is. He, he has professional at-bats. Can we get any more cliches in here? <laughs> uh, the, well, if you're talking about pitching, the ball moves well out of his hand. Uh, <laughs> the ball feels good coming <laughs> yeah, out yeah, of his hands. <laughs> well, if you score more runs than the other team, you're going to have a better chance to win. I hope you know that. No, I mean, but, Jed, I mean, it was you, – you would think at a time like this and what you're calling a retool, rebuild, however you want to describe it, that you're not looking to get older, but it just shows that this season for the A's is going to be unique. You're not going full-on rebuild with young guys for this squad right here. You're going to see a lot of that because the new ballpark, whenever this thing is going to happen, the players that are here for the most part will not be the players. Even if they're younger guys, the odds are they're not even there for the new ballpark. Yeah, if you look at the, some of the guys that are on the roster now, I mean, Pache is 23, so maybe. But if that's seven years from now, he'll be 30. So, yeah, a lot of the guys on the roster right now, eh, maybe not. Yeah. So this year is going to be a year of discovery, yeah, as, we, as, we have, as we like to say. All right, coming up next, we will take our first break. We will have the TV face of your Oakland Athletics next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, we are at Ho-Ho Camp Park, the final spring training game for the Athletics 2022 here at Ho-Ho Camp. One more game tomorrow on the road, taking on the Giants today. He will not be on the call. He'll be on the call tomorrow for the final game. Glenn Kuyper joins us, the face of A's television. So today you're just just hanging around? Well, I'm, you know, obviously down here, nothing else to do. Family's back home. So why not come out and watch the game? Giants and the A's, that's fun. So, yeah, I like being at the ballpark in spring training because you can really just kind of relax and hang out. And you know what? If it's a bad game, you can just take off. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I can't do that during the regular season. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know what? It's great. It's, you know, 95 degrees. What more could you ask for? So It's the calm before the storm because before you know it, you're going to be off to Philadelphia and uh, heading into stormy weather there yeah. in Philly. More ways than one. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, Philly, it's kind of weird because really it's a four-city road trip for us because you have to include Phoenix, right? I mean, we're here and we're leaving on Wednesday from here. So you go hot weather, cold weather, Tampa's hot, Toronto's cold. So it's a very strange road trip. But uh, it's going to be a tough trip. I think the Ace, they really need to play good baseball. And you say that every day, but when it's when you start the season against three really good teams – on the road, and there's, you know, you're a team that has some question marks now. I think you really got to be careful. They need to play good baseball the first two weeks. You know, for you, people don't understand is most people that pack for these trips, it doesn't matter what you wear. I mean, you just got to look professional. You got to show up to the ballpark. For you, you have an outfit that's going to be on television every single day. So you got to pack for just – getting around town and having a regular life and then you got to pack suits you got to pack whatever the nbc logo shirt gotta have the logo yeah i mean then packing for you is a no joke kind of deal this was the 
this and, and I, yeah, my wife looks at me like, just pack. It's not that big of a deal. But I think about it, right? Totally. Um, and not not so much because, oh, what are you going to look like? But it's it's just you got to have stuff. And this was the hardest trip to pack for ever because of the weather. Four, you got four different cities. You're literally going hot, cold, hot, cold. You got two domes indoors. So Toronto, you're going to be walking into the ballpark. It's going to be freezing, but it's a dome. Yeah. So you could have a golf shirt on. So these are all really, really important things that I think about on a day-to-day basis. Well, you have to Tom. match your partner there's, if you're doing polos, right? There's no matching my partner. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We just we sort of let him just do his thing. He's at his best. But yeah, if if he's wearing a polo, I usually wear a polo. That kind of thing. But you know, but yeah, it it was a it was a challenge this time. Plus, you know, Southwest. If you're flying Southwest, fifty pounds. It's got to be under fifty pounds. I came in at forty nine five. Wow. Yeah, the guy said you're okay. I was like, thank you. Out of here. Got to go. You're you're a bottle of hairspray yeah. away yeah. from being over. That's when at forty nine five I was. I just snuck in. So. Well, you know, the really good news that, that's being announced, because, you know, we've we've waited, and because obviously we're going to honor what we're going to do here on Ace Cast and what we're going to do on the radio broadcast is honor Ray on a daily basis. And I know what you guys are going to do on the television side. And now we're finally announcing that we're going to have the patch on the home white jerseys. Just so fitting, and it's just wonderful to hear. Yeah, it's great. I, I, I was hoping that would happen. I think we all were. Uh, classy move by the A's organization. Um, I did actually get a, a quick glimpse of the patch, um, and it's it's very nice. Fits Ray perfect. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm super glad they're doing that. And obviously we all think he's worth it, but uh, uh, yeah, and it, it's, it's going to be a strange year. I mean, it, it's, it's hard and I'm sure it is for you too. It's hard for me to talk about sometimes. I get yeah. emotional because it's just strange that he's not here. It's just very weird, you know. And and um, I think we'll get used to it as time goes on. But it's never really going to quite be the same in the A's broadcast booth um, without him because he was such a larger than life figure. And when he came into the booth, man, he was ready to go. He was ready to go yeah. because he just loved the game, right? There was never any, oh, man, uh, no. He was ready to go. And I said it, uh, we did a tribute to him, put some stuff on tape, and I said, I think that, I think it was his happy place being at the ballpark, especially the Coliseum. It was his happy place. Yeah. You know, he just wanted to be at the ballpark. Um, and so he's he's going to be missed, man. But uh, I, I, I hope he's he's I hope he's happy because when we last saw him, he was not. He just he was not doing good health wise and and it turns out he was struggling more than we thought, unfortunately. But uh we'll miss the big man. But uh uh you know what? It's it's good that the A's are doing it and we're all gonna do it. You guys I know he's got thousands yeah. of interviews that you totally. can run, right? Yeah. I mean you think about it, we talk to him every day every in day. the pregame show. Yep. Every day talk to him and uh and that was like one of the things that hit me recently was when we're like, okay, you know, we got to structure the pregame show, and all of a sudden there's like this big hole of, mm-hmm. well, that's where Ray was. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to – and I don't think anyone can fill that. And I, I, One thing that will be super cool, it's going to take some time, but, you know, like when we're in Toronto or Tampa or wherever – 
to play some of his old interviews that are, are around those teams mm -hmm. and to hear those interviews. And he talked to the biggest names, right? I mean, he, he's Ray Fossey. Yeah. So when I talk to those people, they don't know who I am and they don't care. But he's Ray Fossey, yeah. so you can tell that respect in those interviews. No question. He, yeah, you're right. Everybody knew him in opposing ballparks, so it wasn't like he was introducing himself to anybody. So he could go up to anybody really he wanted from the opposing team, whether it be a former player or broadcast, anybody. Um, and they were going to do what he asked. Right? I mean, we played the Angels almost every game. You'd see him down in the field batting practice. He'd be talking to Mike Trout. I'd be scared to death to talk to Mike Trout, right? <laughs> you know, and I mean Trout's nicest guy in the world. But you know, it, it, yeah, he had he had an aura about him because of who he was and as a player and a great broadcaster. But yeah, he he could go up to anybody, and they knew who he was, and and they were more than happy to do what he wanted. You know, the town that means a lot to to both of you guys is Cleveland. And I remember being in Cleveland, getting off the bus there. Is it a Four Seasons or Ritz-Carlton? I think it's a Ritz, yeah. So you, you get off, and now that these guys are gone, you can say there's no problem. Nobody, so all the fans were outside the bus. <laughs> no one could care. Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, they walked by, no one cared. Everybody had Ray Fossey stuff. Yeah, they knew. Absolutely. I Everybody, mean, all the people, he signed Mr. Fossey, Mr. Yeah, Fossey. And then yeah. I did Heritage Park with him. Yeah. We went out and did the interview at his plaque, great. which is right next to your brother's. Yeah, yeah. How's your brother doing? He's good. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's getting close to 100% um, health-wise. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He's, he's working on his endurance, I guess is the best yeah. way to put it. He wants to be able to do all the home games. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't want to do three and then have to take a day off. But he's going to be ready to go on Friday for the Giants opener. Um, and that's going, to be, that's going to be good for him mentally as well. I mean, he wants to, he wants to work. He wants to be at the ballpark. That's he's like Ray. That, yeah, that's what makes him go, especially with what he's been through. So, But he, he's, doing, he's, he's doing good. He's not 100%, but he's close, and that's important. And it's always so tough to tell someone like that and who you love so much that it's okay to not do all the games. Yeah. And they may not want to hear that, but it's like you don't have to do all 162 no, anymore. No. And I, and my brother has realized it now, and he's okay with it. But to try to tell Ray Fossey to take some time off? He would not do oh, it. Oh, it was like you were asking him to chop his finger off, that crooked <laughs> finger that he had, right? <laughs> he just, I mean, he would actually get mad if you say, Ray, why don't you, you know, take the weekend off? Seriously, he did not like that. But that was his mentality, right? Just like that, when he he was like that as a player. Let's go. Doubleheader, I'm playing too. That doesn't change when that's your mentality since you were 17, 18 years old playing professional baseball. So those guys have that. There's a reason why they got to where they got to as players. And uh, But, yeah, I, I think my brother is starting to realize, you know what? Maybe 110 is fine, right? You know, I'm not a young man anymore. So he's going to be fine, and that's good. You know, the last couple of years, you guys have been coming up with all kinds of new stuff on the broadcast. You had the stuff where the you're showing the wind, the way the wind comes in, how wind it affects big. the ball. Yep. Yep. How about the thing where the Coliseum's outfield wall <laughs> yeah. versus yep. other teams? Like, yep. do we got any new stuff for the A's telecast? Can't tell you, Tony. Don't want to reveal that until no Friday. Tease. Can't tell you. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's fun. And, and I think, 
you know, you always look, and I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about our, you know, our producers and, and the guys who put this stuff together back in the office, but you're always looking for something that's different that you can put on a telecast. Totally, yeah. Because the game itself is still the game. It's, there's only so many things you can do, right? You, the center field camera shoots the pitch, and you know what I mean? So where can you throw something new in there? And the win thing was pretty cool. We got a lot of compliments on that because it does have an effect on the game, especially at the Coliseum where it's a little funky, right, where it's windy. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a big deal, and I'm sure we're going to have that again this year. But it also gives you something to talk about. And, you know, the, the, the different dimensions of the other stadiums that were in overlaying the Coliseum to see how different they are. That gives a viewer, if you show that to them early in the game, it gives them a concept of, wow, I didn't think the stadium in Anaheim was that big, or I'm surprised that it's shorter in right field there than it is at the Coliseum. So it gives the viewer something to kind of think about as they're watching the game as well. So that's sort of what we try to do, but it's hard to come up with new stuff. Um, But but those are a couple things that we have had, had some fun with, and I think people like it. I love the wind because for the media, we're allowed on the field during batting practice, and the wind blows one way. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed during the game. But for me, all the years working for the Raiders, I knew how the wind changed night games versus day games. Yeah. Now, during the NFL games, no one cares about the wind. But, you know, for field goals, there was a – Sure. So when you guys started showing that, I went, oh, yeah, because it flips. Yeah. It's amazing how the wind in the Coliseum is different. Or I should just say this. When the sun's out versus when the sun's down, the wind's different. Yeah, but I think, too, Tony, it's also different in left field than it is in right field. Completely. Which, There's which a you, swirl going Yeah, on. which you could make the argument when the Raiders were playing, it would be different in one end zone than in the other end zone. Yes. Right? So I, I think some ballparks it's probably not that interesting, but it definitely is in the Coliseum because you have the breezeways up top in left field. You have the breezeway up top in right field. The wind comes through there. So there are a lot of things that going on. And now you can say, Hey, it's really windy tonight. It's going to knock the ball down by 10 feet, which that's our graphic shows that. So that to me tells you a lot because we can then go back and say, Hey, that ball that Mike Trout hit out, if there was no wind, it wouldn't have went out. Or you know what I mean? We yeah. we can we can say, hey, this prob- this probably would have yeah. happened or would have happened if there was no wind at all. So again, just something different to talk about and something different for the viewers to to see and and have it in their mind as part of the game they're watching. All right. So you have the cities that you go to every single year. Then there's the cities that pop up every four years. That will change with the new schedule coming up. Which is awesome, by the way. I, 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 I love agree. that. You I, guys love that? I want to see the best players love routinely. That. Love it. Uh, for you, Philadelphia, sneaky good old school restaurant town. Yeah. Do you have a go-to in Philly? No, I, I can't say I have a go-to because I just haven't been there enough. I think I've been there twice, maybe three times with the athletics. So you, you – not enough time, sneaky go-to, but I, you know, you always say, well, the cheesesteak thing. The cheesesteak thing is for real, by the yeah. way. <laughs> you know, it's it's not one of those things where you just, t- people are like, oh, yeah, Philly, cheesesteak, okay. I mean, they are ridiculously good. And last time I was there, 
it was lunch the first day we were in, and I said, well, I got to go have one. Went and had one. It was so good that I got back in line and had another one. So a double gut bomb at 12.15. Wow, that's strong. Went back the next day and had another one. They're so good. So that's the real deal there. Um, you want a Philly tip? Yes. Okay, so right before COVID hit, we did the East Coast trip with the kids, and the Hall of Famer, Jason Stark, yeah. gave me this recommendation. Ralph's. Okay. It's the oldest Italian restaurant in the country. Really? Fabulous. All the mobsters used to hang out there in Philly. It's got a whole history to it, but it's in the Italian part of town. I'm a mobster guy, too. You Love go to the website. I don't know the names because it's not that you, you know the names of the New York mobsters, not yeah. the Philly mob, but all the Philly mobsters hung out here. Ralph's. Highly recommend it. You're going to be that's there beautiful. for three days. Uh, maybe a rain issue. Yeah, so. maybe Friday, but that's our So good. That's good to know. Ralph's. Because we could get, well, we, I mean, Thursday we're there. It's an off day. So that's good to know. And if it's a place where the mobsters hung out, i got to go. Yeah, it's a whole thing on the website about which mobsters. Yeah. Oh, and when you're in there. Yeah, you feel it? You feel really? like someone may come out of the bathroom and cap you. You know what I did? <laughs> so, we're, so we're in New York. This was about 12 years ago, and we were staying fairly close to the Spark Steakhouse. Yeah. That's where Pauly Castellano gets shot right out in front, right? Right out like, in front. i got to go. I mean, I'm not trying to make it cool that the guy got shot, but he was, you John, know, John Mafia G- Don, right? John Gotti was in the John car down the street watching Watching, it. right? So I said, I got to go in this place. So I'm by myself, walk in. I'm standing on the out in front looking where he got shot, right, which is kind of weird. So I'm like, I'm going to go in there, and I'm just going to sit at the bar, and I'm going to have a beer. So now I'm sitting there, and there's a, there's a vibe in there, right? I mean, it's a great There's back house. rooms, yeah. right? So I'm thinking, I want to ask the bartender, hey, talk to me. But I was like, I wasn't sure if that was a good idea. So I said, hey, I said, what room did Castellano like go to? And the guy looked at me like, really bad question. Really? You're not going to get an answer. And let's just finish up that beer. And really? I was like. It's like, yeah, okay, I, my bad. Sorry. Bad question. I mean, this happened really a, too soon? It happened a year. <laughs> it happened in 1985, I think. <laughs> so I always chuckle. I had to go in there. I just I was like, I got I to gotta see this. I got to see this place. Overstepped my boundaries a little bit. So, so, so I had, then I had to walk back to the hotel. <laughs> are you saying they don't have places like that in Danville? There, no, there are no hot spots <laughs> in Danville. <laughs> Fair question. <laughs> Not that I know of. All right, buddy. Well, uh, safe travels. Yeah. You know what? Looking forward to Friday. I mean, really, after all we've been through, the lockout just stunk, right? It was miserable. Glad that's over. We don't have to worry about it. And uh, get this thing going. And let's hope the A's can surprise some people. That, uh, that, would, be, that would be a good thing. One last joke. Uh, you guys going to have name tags on the flight? Yes. I, I hope the players do, for, the our, way, for our sake. Hi, I'm Glenn Kuyper. I'm the television guy. <laughs> hi, I'm Glenn Kuyper. Damn glad to meet you. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to take a little time, but that's all right. We're You know what? It's big league baseball, and we're going to have a good time. So Don't forget that wind's coming out of right center. Yeah, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> the great Glenn Kuyper, the face of A's television. Well, we're going to end this broadcast with... Lou Trevino, the closer for your Oakland Athletics. Here is our good friend, Sweet Lou. 
So it is great to catch up with you. How was uh, the off season for you? Oh, it was, it was great. Really enjoyed myself. Uh, um, just you know, getting better, seeing friends, and it was a good time. You know, I, your journey has been a lot of fun to watch and to watch you evolve to where you were to where you are now as a closer in Major League Baseball. Just take us what this wild ride has been like for you. Uh, I mean. I've been beyond blessed to be able to play a, a, a kid's game and, and make it a job. So, I mean, God's been really good to me in that respect. But, um, you know, you, you, you learn through failures more more than you learn through successes. And, you know, I've had I've had some fair share of failures in the past, but you, know, you, you learn through it. And, and as I've as I've been able to pitch more and more, you're starting to realize what makes you successful. Um, and and you know it's just been it's it's been a it's a nice little e- evolution. I feel like you know I'm a little different than when I broke into the league, but I'm kind of getting back to, to to my old self again. I'm starting to feel good. You know, I've always said it's like a cornerback in football. You are going to get beat, right? You're going to get beat for a touchdown, but you got to get ready the next series. And it's kind of like the same thing as a reliever. One night you're going to get beat, but the next night you got to be ready to go. Yeah, especially especially being the the last guy out of the pen, you know your your team depends on you. So it's one of those things where that was the learning process for me. Early on, it was oh I don't feel very good. Uh, I, you know we'll see how things go. Or it doesn't. No one cares how you feel. You know you got to get the job done. So uh, that's been one of the more learning uh, aspects o- over the years. And you know I think it's I think it's helped me out a lot. Yeah, nobody cares you didn't get enough sleep. No one cares that your arm doesn't feel great. No one cares if you got anything away from the field going on. No one gives a you-know-what. It's just about performing. Exactly. And that's, you know, it's what what have you done for me lately. That's that's how baseball is. That's how any sports are. I mean, that's how life is, you know. Uh, so it's just it's just making sure you buckle down. And, you know, no matter who you are that day, you're going to give 100%. When you think about... The final three outs, because a lot of people go, ah, some closers are just padding stats. It's not. And I always go, wait a minute, those last three outs, it's a different three outs. Just talk about what that difference is when you know you're in and it's the finality of an actual game. I mean, if you think about it too much, you could potentially get overwhelmed. I try not to look at it like that, although it is exactly that. You know, they're the most important three outs. At, at times, especially if it's a close ball game, especially if, if your team came back and, and t- took the lead late, like those are a huge three outs. But at the same time, they're also just three outs. So if you can just kind of separate yourself from the from the moment and just realize, look, I just got to get three outs here, you know, and I got to get them as quick, quick, quickly as possible. And that's that, that's my mentality. They're, they are three outs. There are different three outs uh, at, at, at times. But again, they are at the end of the day, just three outs that you have to get. I don't know what year it is, but I remember the first time I interviewed you was at the steps going towards down the dugout, and you were just happy to be here, and you were playing a lot of catch, learning from Blake Trinan. To go from that guy years ago to really being one of the leaders here in this clubhouse, what is that like for you? Uh, again, it's a blessing, you know, just to be able to be in the big leagues for as long as I, I have been. And it's only been four years, but it's very, very hard to not only to make it, but it's even harder to stay. So uh, God's blessed me so much with with uh, on, on the field success. And, and, you know, I just just very thankful. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and talk about let's face it. You're a leader now in this clubhouse. 
It's it's weird. <laughs> I, I went from I went from one of the more junior guys in the bullpen last year to to the most well not the most but one of the most service time guys here. And I know Chad Pender and I have been what were the longest ten, tenure days yeah. or or about. So it's kind of kind of crazy to me. But you know it's that's 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 life. You know that's if you're if you do something long enough, you know you're you're gonna eventually be a vet. So. It's just helping now. It's helping out the young guys, and we have a lot of talent. So, you know, hopefully I can help help any any way I can with those guys. You know, it was so interesting this offseason watching all the negotiations between the players and the owners, and all of a sudden there started being pictures popping up from those negotiations, and we're like, Lou, our guy Lou is there. Uh, what was that like being a part of that process? Oh, it was fun. I mean, I wasn't really involved per se with the negotiations one on one, but I was there for a lot of it, and it was nice to be able to see um, what what every everything was about. You know, there's a lot of a lot of different people saying saying di- different things, but it was nice to kind of get uh, a, a sense of what was going on. So, you know, it was, uh, it, was it was it was a good time for me. See, and here I thought you were standing up. You're in the faces of the owners. There's Lou Trevino taking on the the ownership. Just banging. <laughs> on the table making sure we get what we want no, no. Uh. we're not playing <laughs> yeah no none of that none of that uh, no it had to be a great experience for you oh it it, it, it definitely was you know and, and then mo- moving to florida it was just nice to be there i was able to get to meetings that i wouldn't have been if i was still living in pennsylvania so it was nice it was just nice to be around a lot of the guys and and and, and to, to hear different minds talk about what what the, the future of baseball uh what was, was going to be about you know yeah and a, and a a big transition off season for you. For I mean, we're just joking about the CBA, but you move to Florida, you get married. How does that really help you and just really stability in your life as a man going into this year? Oh, I mean, it's it's been it's been crazy. This off season was nuts, you know, but it was it was fantastic. You know, I had one of the best off seasons I've ever had, and and I'm with a awesome awesome girl right now, and she's she's the best. So it's it's been great. You know, I've. I'm definitely enjoying myself. Well, we can't wait to see you play once again, and we always appreciate the time. It's been great watching you grow as a player, and can't wait to see you back in Oakland. Uh, yep, I'm excited. I have a question there. Can you tell I have a mask on? Um, not really. I think I think it came through pretty well. That I mean, that wasn't that bad. No, none of them were. Yeah, because because some of these folks, I mean, it's just it's it's. It's it's what it's going to be this year. That all interviews that are going to be done inside the clubhouse, we media members, even though I don't really think we're media members anymore, but um, we got to have a mask on inside the clubhouse. So when we're doing interviews, they're not going to have a mask on. We will. So there'll be a little difference in the audio, but I'm not sure you can tell. Yeah, it sounded pretty good to me, but you know. You know we're we're almost out of time, and we had a, this is a lot of fun being down here the last couple of days. Yeah, it's 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 like for us in our lives, which you guys don't care, we truly understand. But um, it's like us getting back to normal. You know, this is the first time been back to spring training in three years. You know, we missed it two straight years. So I I, I if we didn't come like three years not coming, I'm like wow, that would have been crazy. But uh, to finally get down here again, even though it's not totally back to normal, but just to get down here was something really, really 
uh, special. I mean, obviously, crazy times inside this organization, but, you know, we've lived through a lot of crazy times, and yesterday will be one of the craziest days I've ever seen in this sport. But, you know, that's part of what you sign up for with the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, learning, I'm learning that more and more now. This is being my fourth year at the team that this is the craziest thing we've had to experience, you know, since. And we're about to do the national anthem here. Um, you know, Steve Vucinich talked about it, you know, and we've talked about it with multiple people. I mean, you think about all the stuff that's gone on with this organization, all the stuff that happened with Charlie Finley, you know, you talk about the team moving from Philadelphia to Kansas, can, can, Philadelphia to Kansas City, Kansas City to Oakland, uh, Charlie Finley trying to sell the team. They were going to move the team, what was it, to Denver. I mean, you had once you had Joe Rudy and Raleigh Fingers traded to the Red Sox, and they took pictures in Red Sox jerseys. That never happened. I mean, the stuff with Vita Blue. I mean, there's been crazy stuff that's happened throughout this organization's history. I mean, that's just a reality. So it's not, you know, what what we're seeing right now is, you know, just just another thing of bizarre Stuff that happens inside a professional sports organization. And you know what? Every single organization has it. But you know what? We love the athletics. We love the franchise. As we're trying to be very respectful as we're talking through the national anthem. But, you know, moves are made. The franchise moves on. And we're going to start the 2022 season. Next time you hear us, it's going to be Friday. I'm going to be off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You might have heard. I don't know. But I... I actually haven't even talked about it. I'm going to be going to the Masters, so I'm going to miss the weekend. Hello, friends. Jim Nance. Jim Nance, Tiger Woods, and I will all be in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, Alex Jensen and Joe Hughes will be taking over for me, but I'll be back on Monday. But the next time you hear A's baseball and A's cast together will be... Will be that Monday in Tampa. Is that correct? That's correct. Monday, uh, yeah, Tampa, correct. And we'll be getting you ready. Uh, hope we'll have three games under our belt to talk about, and it'll be fantastic. A's baseball coming your way. That'll do it for us for the 2020 spring training tour. I hope you everybody enjoyed it. Listen to A's Cash. You'll hear all the different interviews that we did with players and media and everybody that was down here. Thank you so much for sticking with us here on A's Cast, and we'll see you for opening day. Take care, everybody. Up next, it's the A's and Giants right here on A's Cast and the A's Radio Network. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 